You are now listening to the Millennial Travel Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with another episode of the Millennial Travel Podcast, our new series celebrating the launch of my book, The Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, and Make Travel a Priority in Your Life. Today, I am talking to a really outrageous individual who has traveled to some obscure places and done some wild things, so get ready for that. He's going to help you all overcome fear, and uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty good episode, so I'm excited to release this one to you. New over under 30 experiences, our travel community for people ages 21 to 35. I have a really, uh, well, I'll call it a really good article. Why not? Because I spent a long time on it, and uh, after I visited all 50 states, I am proud to have kind of crossed that little achievement off my bucket list. As you guys have probably heard me say before, I'm not a country counter, but I have just known, I know all the states in uh, the nation, and I know which ones I haven't been, and I knew when I completed that last pesky state of North Dakota, highly recommended, by the way, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, but um, so I have a rundown of all the places where you should solo travel in the United States, so check that out at under30experiences.com slash blog. I hope you saw the launch of our new trips, Grand Teton and Yellowstone, the Pacific Coast Highway, and an amazing venture from Salt Lake City uh, to Moab, Arches National Park, Canyonlands, through Navajo Country, uh, Lake Powell, and to the Grand Canyon ending in Las Vegas. That Those are going on next summer, so we predict that people are still going to be fairly close to home, uh, or at least more people are going to be looking for places to travel close to home. And next week, we are launching our new Mexico trip. Sorry for the screaming baby in the background. She's just uh, excited about our new Mexico trip that's coming out. Yes, we're focusing on locations that are a little closer to home, and uh, this is a good one. So without further ado, check out this new episode from uh, with Mike Corey. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we're here with Mike Corey. Mike is a Canadian adventure traveler, uh, traveler, YouTuber, and BBC television host. You may have seen his quite uh, crazy videos, Fearless and Far. He has a big following there on YouTube as well as on Instagram for pushing his comfort zone, something uh, that... Here we talk a lot about on the podcast and uh, making yourself uncomfortable, but for a purpose. And uh, yeah, I've already enjoyed chatting with Mike before we got rolling. So uh, let's get into it. Mike, welcome. Yeah, let's continue it, man. It was, it was a great little uh, appetizer. So let's, I'm excited to speak some more. Excellent. So uh, yeah, I would love to... Would love to just uh, chat a little bit more and try to hear your story and hear who is Mike Corey because when we go to Fearless and Far, your YouTube channel, I mean, you have some crazy stuff and and some very exotic uh, places all around the world. I mean, we're talking about um, running from charging bulls to uh, doing combo in the Amazonian medicine uh, to, I'm just scrolling through here, but you have just uh, not only incredible places, but things that you've really challenged yourself to do, like bury yourself for 24 hours in the sand in the Philippines. So uh, Mike, how did you get into all this stuff? Yeah, uh, there, there's been some crazy adventures, man. Uh, I learned early on on my very first solo backpacking trip that I was kind of, let's call it tricked into, maybe we'll get into the story, that the more you push yourself outside of your comfort zone or 
more correctly, the more you are pushed, because sometimes you don't even choose it, uh, the more you grow. And, and I developed the whole travel style out of it. And I realized early on as well that uh, fear is something that we all have, that we don't ever get an instruction manual how to deal with, and it bullies us. And it, it makes our decisions for us, and we run away from it because we don't ever know how to retaliate back against it. And if you don't, then you, you're kind of stuck in the river of life and you don't really have a paddle, right? You get pushed off and eventually there's a waterfall and everyone says goodbye. But being able to stand up to fear because fear is a bully is one of the most powerful things in life. And being uncomfortable is exactly that as well. So having some comfort in being uncomfortable is exactly what I try to practice and preach. And as you can see, I try to lead by example. <laughs> Awesome. So where is, before, I'd like to dive into your story, but first I have to ask, where is that line between, all right, I want to go out of my comfort zone, but I don't want to be scared shitless, if you will, on my trip or whatever I'm doing. I, I would like to enjoy it. So where do you encourage people uh, to go? I had somebody recommend on the podcast, Gregory Deal, who is an author, uh, a travel author. And he said, hey, try to push yourself one level outside of your comfort zone. But what would you recommend? <clears throat> well, first of all, is there anything wrong with being scared shitless? That's what, I, what I've got to ask. The thing is, the difference is this. The difference is, are you being reckless or not? Uh, because a lot of things in this world are very scary until you learn actually oh, it's not so bad. Like bungee jumping, for example, is something that can scare you quite shitless. But statistically, if you were bungee jumping once in your life or twice, I think the, the odds are like one and a half a million that something will happen. Whereas if you're driving an average amount in your life, it's the odds are like one in 103 or something, you'll have an accident. Yet we're much more scared of bungee jumping than we are driving our car every single day. But it's just the exposure. It's just the act. Like, I think fear is something that you have to think logically. Where emotion rises up and you have that feeling in your, your palms sweat and your heart beats. And then I think what happens in a lot of people, what happened to me was I would be afraid of being afraid. So I'd feel that feeling and then I'd be afraid of the feeling. And then all of a sudden I was a tire on fire rolling down a hill to a disaster. And back in the day, I used to having panic attacks because of that exact thing. You, you, wind, you, you wind yourself up to this point where you, logic doesn't exist anymore. It's just pure emotion. And that's how fear works. And it doesn't let you use your logical brain. You just use this fight or flight response, right? And so a lot of these things that scare us shitless, I think are worth investigating. Uh, if they can be done in a controlled way with proper training, with an instructor, someone holding your hand, like public speaking classes, which would scare people shitless. It scared me shitless, man. I, was, I had a phobia of public speaking most of my life. And that's why I love talking about this so much because I realized fear was lying to me. Fear was telling me all these things about people are going to make fun of you. They're, they're, it's going to be so embarrassing to go up there and you're going to stutter. You're going to, I don't know, pee your pants and pass out. But like what, okay, that's like the worst thing that can happen, right? Um, and if that happens, it's embarrassing, but like there's no, no consequence besides, you know, feeling a little bit uh, embarrassed. But again, even embarrassment, you decide to be embarrassed. No one can make you embarrassed, Right. It's a decision you choose to make. Oh, uh, and also failure is the same thing. You go up and you try to tackle one of your greatest fears. Let's give public speaking again. You decide what a failure is, not everybody else. If your success is simply going up there, doing it, maybe you don't look cool. Maybe you do pee your pants and pass out. But your, your challenge was getting up there and proving to yourself you could do it. That's a success, right? And so for me, uh, I, I'm, I've done a lot of things in my life that has scared me shitless, but I draw the line at, at what's dangerous because dangerous and scary are two different things. Things can be both. Things can be one or the other. Dangerous things require training and you don't often do them. Scary things can sometimes require training too, but you can still do them as well. Scuba diving, bungee jumping, skydiving even, it, it can be quite safe in controlled circumstances. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to... Um, we don't have to always use extreme sports as, a, as an example, you know, like going up on a skyscraper, walking on one of those glass cutouts that we've seen before in skyscrapers. We were stepping over and it's just you and then a thousand feet underneath or all these things uh, can, can be quite scary. But by pushing ourselves and doing it and then us having that data point in our head being like, OK, I did it and I'm OK. 
once you get enough of those data points, you start to realize that fear doesn't tell the truth, man. Again, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good source of advice sometimes. But as we know, as we grow up, we learn that advice is not always helpful. Advice, some people can give great advice, but it's very few and far between. Most advice is, is not good advice. And fear is, again, one of the culprits sometimes for not giving the best advice. Okay, Mike, so I'm glad that you differentiated between fear and danger, right? Because I would, so I own a uh, travel company tour operator and we apply for insurance where actuarial mathematicians crunch the numbers and tell us how much we're going to pay because of the types of uh, activities that we do and the levels of risk. And so, they have all their data right. there. And this is why we don't include things like scuba diving, which you, it, it's, it really is, it, from a, a tour operator perspective, quite risky to do. Uh, they, don't, they won't even sell us insurance for that. So that's something that we can't do, for example. So there are dangerous things. Uh, going on the Grand Canyon skywalk or, or to the top of the... Um, I don't know, Sears Tower or maybe it's Willis Tower, I think right now in, in Chicago, mm. where you could go out and see that, uh, you know, you step out onto the glass and, and look underneath you, probably completely safe. You know, like the, the yeah, odds exactly. of falling through but, that glass are next to, to none. So mm -hmm. I will encourage people to yeah, do their research. And when it is something dangerous, go with somebody reputable or think about, hey, does this place have insurance where, where I am? <laughs> am I in Romania right now? Uh, and not, nothing against Romania, but I'm sure the standards aren't the same as when you're in Canada. Well, then, nothing dangerous. Exactly, right. <laughs> and, that's, so, and that's half the fun, but also double the danger. <laughs> of course, of course, right? So if, but if somebody's listening to this and say, saying, all right, I'm not, uh, I'm not, trying to be an extreme sports junkie or an adrenaline type person. But if you're just talking about travel in general, you know, you've been to some pretty off the beaten path places where a lot of people would be scared, you know, their fears maybe of being sick or uh, getting lost where they don't know the language or um, they may, uh, you know, that, they might be worried about crime or theft or kidnapping or who knows what. What would you say to those people when you're literally just trying to identify a place to go and stay safe? Yeah, well, man, I, I can only speak from my personal experience, but the only crime I, I've had in my life have been in the countries that are supposed to be supposed to be friendly. Like I, I was, I was pickpocketed in Berlin. I was almost pickpocketed in Spain. Meanwhile, in Turkmenistan and Mauritania and Bangladesh, all of these places, like, for example, I lost my wallet in Bangladesh. It fell out of my pocket and the guy found my, my, um, my business card called me um, on WhatsApp because my number was on there and then asked me if he, if he, if, if, if I would buy him and his friends ice cream, if he could bring the wallet to me. <laughs> wow. so, yeah, listen, I found your wallet. There's a little bit of money in here. I'll come travel to and give it to you, but I'm wondering because I found it and I'm, and I'm wondering if I could buy me and my friends ice cream. I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> there's like three credit cards in there. <laughs> Of course, you can buy you and your friends ice cream, uh, and so that—that's always been my experience. The, the, these these places that are supposedly, uh, even Mauritania. We were there earlier this year, and we had so many invitations to go over to get tea with locals and stay in their house and meet their family that we had we had to be rude and say sorry. Like we our days packed with tea appointments already, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I, for myself, I've never had anything bad happen in some of these countries. Even when I was in Venezuela, at the heat of it all, at the end of last year, um, I had a, a friend living there. And again, I guess going back to not to appropriately planning for these places, not discounting some of the dangers of these countries, especially when you're in places like Venezuela uh, at the end of 2019 and even Turkmenistan. And these, you have to have 
local contacts. But I always trust my local contacts that I find even through couch surfing or even through a friend of a friend or even through whatever it be, a tour operator. I always trust people on the ground more than I do the, the news articles that, you, that you'd see on, online, on TV or whatever, because those are always quite inflated. So I had a friend of mine living, a Canadian friend of mine living in Venezuela. Everyone said, don't go to Venezuela. But I had a Canadian, a white guy like me, who had spent three years down there, was currently driving his motorbike around. And he said, listen, it's not perfect down here. I can't tell you it's safe, but we, we, can, we can make it work. And so I went down there and I had an incredible trip. And again, I'm not recommending people go to countries that have wars or anything ter terrible happening. I guess all I'm saying is do your own research and you don't always have to go to the same 10 countries you always see in the pamphlets. There's a lot of amazing places. Like for example, I went to Oman at the end of last year. Oman is not a country you would ever put on your travel radar. And it's also beside Yemen and Yemen obviously has, has had a lot of trouble recently. Um, but Oman was one of the safest, most beautiful, friendliest uh, countries in the Middle East uh, that I'd ever been to. Um, and in general, the Middle East has a bad reputation, but I was really impressed with Oman. And again, there was no blips on the radar, positive or negative about this place. And so you show up and it's, it, it was like, it was travel paradise. Uh, everyone there spoke English for some great reason. And we had an amazing road trip along the coast and it, it was fantastic. But that's a story over and over again. I'm sure you have some of your own going to these off the beaten path, path off beaten path, tourist unfriendly, let's call them places and having like the most authentic travel experience out there where you get to like meet local people. And you can see markets and landscapes in the world, mountain treks, but at the end of the day, as a traveler, the memories that always last, even as a human being, the memories that always stick aren't the view from the top of the mountain. It's, it's the people, it's, it's the connection you made with someone in some random place in the corner of the world at 3 a.m. at some cloudy bar when you're all dancing Justin Bieber or whatever it is, you know? This is, this, these are the things you remember most, and, uh, and, and that's really important to remember. You can't escape Justin Bieber anywhere in the world. <laughs> Actually, a quick funny story. So I was in, uh, in Sulawesi, Indonesia, middle of nowhere, and this is uh, about two years ago now. And I was trying to find a place called Toraya, which they have the Walking Dead Festival. So they have this a lot of interesting beliefs about death. One is when you die, you don't actually die. You're called sick, and you get put into, a, into your your parents' house, your, your, I guess if you're older, your, your son's house or daughter's house, and uh, you stay there for years, and they tend to your skin, so you're preserved, and so you have these dead bodies in your house for one up to five years, and people come in, they still feed you, they still play music for you, and they apparently, as a dead body, you still give them wisdom, you speak through dreams and whispers in the woods and stuff. Anyway, so part of the and then finally they have a funeral and part of the funeral is they sacrifice water buffalo another crazy thing and so i was there seeing this 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 water buffalo event where they were trying to find the strongest water buffalo to then be slaughtered to help lead this dead body into the underworld to fight off the demons and i was just so deep into the travel world and things that i don't necessarily um understand nor support but you get so deep in in the ether sometimes that you just you have to sit back and be like wow this is not my belief system but damn <laughs> this is an interesting thing to see, even if you don't particularly believe in it anyway getting back to the story these buffalo were fighting and it was one of the most violent things i'd seen i was just shocked and every water buffalo had a name and they were spray painted on the side of them. And one of the water buffalo's name was Despacito. <laughs> spray painted into the fur on the side of the buffalo in Taraya, Sulawesi, Indonesia, middle of the jungle. And that's exactly how things penetrate, man. It's, it's inescapable. <laughs> good, old, good old globalization. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Well, yeah, the, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Last time I was in Thailand uh, at the beach, they were playing reggaeton. And I was like, really? This is what you yeah. listen to? Yeah. So um, it, anyway, wow, Mike, <laughs> yes, I want to get back to your, your story. Uh, I don't even know where to go from there. But let's go back to your story because it wasn't always this way. You weren't always this uh, dude with these tattoos who shows people all 
these uh, amazing places in the world and how to overcome their fears. So yeah, take us back to your story a little bit. Yeah. So um, yeah, it wasn't always like this at all. I think I was literally the complete opposite and people think it's like people don't, people only see the after, right? They don't see the before. And then when you tell them the before, they don't believe it. it's true or they just disregard it. But I think a lot of people have these stories of, of complete metamorphosis in their life. And a lot of them have, have struggles that, that severely impact them. And then there's change that happens from there. And that was my story too. Like I was always a very curious guy. And so I love nature and I love flipping over rocks and I love discovering these things that were maybe misunderstood like rock, uh, sorry, like, like rocks, like, um, I don't know, uh, spiders and salamanders and things. And that transferred very easily into a travel lifestyle, but that still doesn't talk about how I got to doing this because for the most part of my life, I had a phobia of public speaking. And what happened is I was in grade four and I had a situation where the teacher brought me to the front of the class and then made fun of me a couple times. It happened twice during that year. And it's a bit of a longer story, but that's basically what happened. And all that happened in my life is I had a family pet that died. I felt upset. She was confused as to why I was upset. I had to go to the front of the class and it was, wasn't supposed to be as traumatic as it was in her eyes, but it was, it was definitely <laughs> Um, not a good thing for a teacher to ever do to a student. Anyway, uh, but then when you're that young, these things these things stick with you, right? Uh, we all have these, these these traumas that happen when we're younger, when we're these balls of clay and they leave dents. And, and it's almost like um, a broken piece of china or glass. You can put the pieces back together, but the cracks are always going to be there. And, and a lot of us kind of polish it over and we grow up and these these things we're supposed to kind of just get over but we don't we're never taught how um very few people go out and actually try to fix them i mean that's what therapists are for you hear more and more talk about about that but we're never we're never really given a guide how to deal with these feelings and so from i had this this thing that was i think now being older and having gone through it a very natural response to to, to this traumatic experience not wanting to ever experience it again and that was my first time ever in a group. So I carried it forward um, for a lot of my life. And then things started to change a little bit only because of travel. And I got thrown into this solo backpacking trip that I barely signed up for. And I got to go to the other side of the world. And I was terrified. And I say barely signed up for because I was supposed to go with a friend and he canceled last minute. And so I was thrown on this trip by myself and I would never have solo backpacked before. And I got there and I had like the best time of my life, man. It, it, was, it was the middle of nowhere. Uh, we lived on a desert island with all the, the pros and cons. Yeah, it was beautiful, but you got chewed to death by mosquitoes and everyone was just itchy the entire time. But it was paradise, its own special paradise for sure. And it changed my life. And what travel does, especially solo travel, is because you find yourself in all these strange, unique circumstances that are so unlike what home is, you have to grow and you're forced to get out of your shell and you're forced to start, you know, speaking a different language because you have to get to the bus and the bus is leaving and no one pull out your phone or your phrase book and try to butcher your way through and people are laughing at you and you, you're forced to get out of your shell. And travel is one of the best things in the world for, I think, everybody because it makes you resourceful. It makes you calm, makes you flexible. And those are all really important life skills. And I think no matter if it's the workplace or you're trying to find a chicken bus in Honduras, being able to make things work is one of the things that only traveling can foster inside of you. So for me, yeah, I, I was a scaredy cat, man. I was a, a shy guy with didn't have much direction. I felt lost at a place. Travel helped me get on that road and actually um actually find myself and then eventually i realized that all these things i was absolutely batshit afraid of like again public speaking and solo travel i realized that they're not that dangerous or scary like what exactly am i am i afraid of um before i had some some friends tell me that i solo traveling was dangerous and and not to do it but like man i've been solo traveling for 10 years now and i have i have basically no bad stories. I've got some funny stories, um, but nothing terrible has happened. And I think anybody who's decides to solo travel has the same. I've, I've never in my life had anybody in 10 years of solo traveling say that after solo traveling, they didn't like it. And it wasn't for them. I don't think that's ever happened. Everybody gets addicted to it. And all they do is preach it. And so of course, you know, when, when you're first up against the 
the, 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 the decision and everyone around you is like, oh, are you sure you want to go all by yourself? Isn't it dangerous? All these people have never done it because everyone who's done it is gone, man. They're not in your hometown. They're already out there living it. So all you hear is, is the people who haven't done it and they're not the right people to give you advice. They're just giving you their fears. Their, their advice is this, their fears that they've gotten from all these different things as well. And from there, it's, um, it's, uh, it's hard to judge what's, what's accurate and what's not accurate because yeah, it appears lying to you. It's, it's a big liar. That's a really good point about taking advice from people uh, who haven't done it before. Right in business, there, there's a saying that goes something like, "Don't take, uh, don't take advice from people who wouldn't be willing to pay your bills." Right, because yeah. <laughs> it's only it, it's you on the at the end of the day, right? Like, oh yeah, skydiving is uh, sure, yeah, that's no problem. From your, you know, yeah. your uncle who's never been skydiving, uh, but it's not his life at stake, so. Um, no, yeah, I, exactly. I, I kind of reversed, right? We're trying to encourage people to go and do things that scare them. But, but seriously, um, get advice from, from good sources. I think that's, that's really great. Uh, and, and from people with experience. But Mike, all right. So somebody's sitting at home and they're listening to this and uh, maybe they've been to a handful of countries, but they're uh, more places within most everyone's comfort zone, right? They've, uh, yeah, they, they've been to uh, London before and, um, you know, they went to Ireland and they've, they've been to a couple, maybe even a Spanish, you know, Cancun to, to Mexico where everybody speaks, yeah. speaks English anyway if they work in tourism. But um, what would you encourage people to do if they are uh, trying to get out of their comfort zone? You even said... Uh, something that was interesting in a video that I heard, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, or uh, you also called it voluntary discomfort. Um, but when it comes to travel, what would you encourage people to do if they want to overcome their fears? Well, man, I think the foundation of all the decisions I've made, and I, and I'm, I say this with 10 years of experience going to places that people normally don't travel to is the world is kind and the world helps you. Uh, people, especially in these places that don't see tourists very often, they appreciate you being there or they're fascinated that you're there. I guess people might think that in some of these countries you're seen as like a prey item. But for me, it's always been the opposite. The, the cities and the countries that get the most tourism have the most, let's call them opportunists that are looking to, uh, mess up your day and even in these places like Cancun uh, that part of Mexico or Bali or these 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 very tried and true like very touristy destinations you don't have to go to these the, the Turkmenistan's and the Venezuela's of the world you can have very off the beaten path authentic travel experiences in all of these normal travel places and it's as simple as realizing that the world is kind, number one. Number two, that all of these apps and services that we have in Canada, in the UK, in America, like Airbnb and um, Grab and Uber and all these different things, they, they exist in these countries too. So like you can go to Mexico, you can get an Uber and you can stay in an Airbnb and you can book on Expedia and all these things as well. So, and even if you want to go to a map of Mexico, throw a dart in and points to a city you can still show up and with money in your hand stay in in a, in a hostel or, a, or a, even a hotel like the, the the you don't have to take what's on the pamphlet the pamphlet's great like there's some really cool stuff um going for the both those places again i'm i'm a fan of both those places because they're not overrated they're appropriately rated there's a lot of amazing things to see there that are that are on the radar and off the radar and the world knows it there there's that many people there for for a reason but when I do go to those places, what I normally do is I find a local tour provider or a friend um, and I order off menu. So let's say there's a pamphlet from a local tour provider that's giving you like, I don't know, ski-doo experience, a cave experience and something else, mountain climb. You can still go to that tour provider and say, hey, listen, I'm looking for a local family to stay with, like a shepherd or um, maybe some, a member of this tribe. Do you, do you know anyone? I'd love to find another waterfall that's not on not on the, the pamphlet. 
Do you know anything? And just keep prying and prying and prying and you can find some amazing experiences. And you might have to pay a little bit more in that instance because it's going to be a custom trip, not just like a, a group of eight people, randoms thrown together. But that's also fun too because again, human connection is really important. But you can order off menu and that's what I do a lot of the time. I'll find a local tour operator and I'll, I'll ask, I'll pry, I'll do some research before and try to find things that look cool and see if I can find someone to help me get there. But uh, the key for everything, all of these unique travel experiences is local contacts and you can pay for those um, in that instance, or you can jump on couch surfing or you can get an Airbnb where you're staying with a local, or you can just show up and hang out and, and meet people uh, at hostels, you know, like, that is the key, having a local contact who knows the area, who knows people, who has a network. That's how you find unique experiences. And it's very easy to find yourself in a, a really cool spot you'd never thought you'd ever be by yourself or with some close friends with no other tourists. And those are the memories that last forever. So don't be afraid to order off menu and realize that if you do go to these faraway places that um, for myself, I've never had any problems. Again, I'm not saying pack up your bags and go to Afghanistan here. And what I'm saying is like, you know, be smart, use some common sense, but don't think countries you've never heard of are necessarily dangerous. And just because no one's gone there before that, that you can't go. Because again, Oman was such an amazing surprise for me. Um, and my girlfriend when we went that it, it, we can't stop talking about it. Again, no one knows about the country uh, other than maybe where it is, but it was an incredible travel experience. One of our best ones. And it's so safe and, 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 and beautiful there. That's great. Oh. Oman, is that where there's this big, uh, the island with these incredible trees? Do you know what I'm talking about? Socotra, yeah. So Socotra's off of Yemen. And um, funnily enough, that's where I found myself right before, um, <laughs> right before the pandemic. <laughs> I was on Socotra, which is part of Yemen. And uh, again, Yemen has some problems uh, <laughs> in itself, but Socotra is considered relatively safe. Uh, but Socotra is like Madagascar. It's like Galapagos, where there's a lot of animals and, and plants and different species that are endemic only to that one island. It's an ancient piece of rock that's been, that's been out there for millions of years. And so because it's been there for so long, there's creatures that are only found there. So the dragon blood tree is a very famous one that bleeds red sap when when you when you cut it it's it's incredible and there's like blue tarantulas and all kinds of strange things there and that's where where we were um my girlfriend eva and i before the pandemic and we had to evac well i evacuated because i had broken my laptop and lost my wallet in bangladesh and um she stayed on the island so she was there during the pandemic but yeah man uh, places like that are phenomenal Wow, that's that's wild. And I'll link uh, to a video that I saw. This is how I know this place. Um, Spike Jones and I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but the founder of Vice went and did a video there. They just happened to be in the area, and they're like, "We have to go to this random island off yeah. the island. and it looks yeah, it looks in, incredible. That's always stuck out. So uh, anybody who needs the show notes. Um, I'll, millennialtravelpodcast.com or the under 30 experiences blog. We can uh, hook them up there. Um, Mike, I want to transition and thank you for the tips. I want to transition into a little bit about COVID. We can keep it fairly brief um, because it is heavy and we want to create, of course, a piece of uplifting content. Um, but you were talking about Bali and, uh, and Mexico and these places that um, right now they're really suffering. You know, under 30 experiences, it usually employs tour guides in these places and these people are, are really struggling. And um, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's a tough time. I saw a video that you did about traveling during the pandemic um, and how you were getting messages from these people who you say, you know, who you just mentioned, yeah, I'll, I'll walk into a local tour operator, make a local friend, hire him for the day, or you know, I've, I've done uh, employed a lot of the same strategies and, uh, you know, met people. And I've gotten those messages, not from our team in under 30 experiences, but uh, people who I've met traveling who are Indonesian or from wherever and just saying, Hey, uh, is there anything that you think you can do for me? Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you had a Cambodian friend. So I would love to know kind of, um, your approach to, uh, you are currently traveling right now. I know it's fairly, it's a fairly controversial 
thing. Uh, so yeah, we'd just love to hear you kind of two minutes on what people should consider if they're thinking about traveling now or uh, hopefully in the near future. We are uh, recording this at the very end of October 2020 and uh, hopefully, of course, COVID-19 will be cleared up uh, soon and people may be listening to this in the future and hopefully it'll just be a blip on the radar. But uh, I, I do want to emphasize how important tourism is to these areas and for their survival. So yeah, we'd love to just hear your quick couple minute take. Yeah, man. Well, that that's exactly it. Yeah, it was a Cambodian friend who um, I he was a private guide for me um, a couple of years ago, and uh, such a talented, amazing guy. One of the best private private guides I've had ever. Often I get private guides because of the filming, right, with YouTube. And he messaged me, and he's like, "Man, I don't know what to do. I have got three kids. The business was good until COVID hit, and now I've got nothing, and my family's starving, and my wife's." Like, mad at me and I'm trying to work a construction job, but it, it's, it's horrible and they're not paying for it. Like that's one story out of hundreds of, of millions, uh, Peru and Mexico and Cambodia, Tanzania that, that rely so heavily on, on tourism. What do you do? And if, if, you know, if the industry was like a slow fizzle, then people can kind of get some other things going, but it was just like, you know, two weeks, uh, shut. it was like whisper, 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 then shut down. Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, luckily for, for people like, uh, for some of us, we have a little bit of savings or the government helps a little bit, or we can go into debt a little bit or whatever we're all doing to get it. But some people just, there's no option. It's just, you know, they, 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 they go homeless or they, they starve or uh, there's definitely people out there who are severely impacted by this. And I can't say I'm traveling exclusively to help those people, but I can say that that's part of it. I'm happy to use some of my money to be able to support some of these local tour operators because they, I guess when I left, I wasn't sure if I was going to be accepted or rejected. Um, it's been acceptance and with very few circumstances where I ever felt like I was um, a foreigner, like, you know, xenophobia, pandemic kind, kind of yuckiness. Um, but for me, I, I had a choice to make. As of July 2nd this year, I've been traveling uh, quite a bit, much slower than before, spending much longer in countries, not zipping around so much, but still traveling. I had a choice to make. I, I, traveling is so important to my lifestyle, not just my career, but like my happiness, right? Like I, I've, I made it, I do this because it makes me truly deeply happy. And what is essential in life, right? Like, so non-essential travel was not allowed for a long time and it's still not allowed for many countries. But what's the definition of essential exactly? Everybody has a, a few things. Is, is happiness essential? I mean, no, I guess. Yes. It's just the, you know, is, is sugar in your coffee essential? Is coffee essential? All these, these questions that kind of get a little bit muddy once you dig into it. So I had a choice whether or not to, to, to hide it and not post about it or post about it and state why. And so I did post about it when I left early July and stated why and the ethics behind it. I had a, I wanted sort of a bit of a conversation. I wasn't breaking any laws. The EU had opened to Canadians, so I was allowed to go as a tourist. And so I chose to. However, just because there's, I'm allowed to doesn't mean I don't have a responsibility as a human being and a traveler not to, not to bring anything that doesn't need to be around, not to track the virus around if I did have it. So when I did come, I didn't have to quarantine, but I did anyway. And I've been getting tests here. I got another test this morning. Um, just because before I move around too much, I want to make sure I don't have the virus or bring it into sensitive communities that could be um, could be affected by it. So I've really taken that seriously. And I, and I can't recommend anybody travel during this time. I think you all have to take your own risk assessment and think about how it would impact your life and what you, and who you could impact. Um, but at the same time, if you do choose to travel, I think there's a responsible way to do it. And there are people out there who need a bit more support um, from people traveling. And so I'm happy to come and make videos about things and hopefully encourage some people if they do choose to, and they can do so responsibly to travel uh, during this time. I also think that there's a once in a lifetime opportunity hopefully, pending, pending any other pandemic, to see some of these worldwide attractions that are so famous with very few tourists. Again, if it's right for you. So I, I think going forward, I don't know if we can keep the whole world shut down for another year or not, uh, because people will literally starve to death. 
So I, I think we're going to have to start embracing a different way of, of traveling and hopefully and safely we can do it again soon. Yeah. And as, as some of these places open up, um, that have had so few cases, really they're close, like uh, Thailand, for example, is, you know, there's a ha- literally a handful of cases, but they are closed to keep it out. But, you know, once they do open up and it is appropriate, uh, I, I believe you can 14 day quarantine actually to go to Thailand uh, if maybe it's essential travel or, or something like that. But I can only imagine mm-hmm. how beautiful Thailand is uh, without tourists at the moment and yeah those people do need uh our money and um yeah if we can do this responsibly it'll be interesting to see how the recovery from this goes um but yeah countries are taking it very seriously and um (laughs) there's going to be so many things in place like we already have seen with the testing, the temperature checks, the quarantines, the, uh, yeah. the wearing the masks, the social distancing, the plexiglass. I mean, we've, we've kind of heard the entire rundown, but, um, and, and just selecting places, getting in the outdoors and um, figuring out how to really stay away from people, I, I think is, uh, yeah, is so important during this time. So yeah, Mike, thanks for, mm-hmm. thanks for that. I wanted to uh, do some, some rapid fire questions uh, with you. Are you ready? Hit me. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So I'm going to uh, ask you a quick question and you could just name the first thing that comes to your mind. You don't have to elaborate, but you can for a second if you'd wish. Uh, here we go. Mike, Corey, what is the craziest thing that you've ever done? Uh, the, the Bulls of Fire Festival, where Mexicans put explosives inside of paper mache and steal bulls, and you, you have to run from them as they explode. You get burns, and it's crazy, but very fun. <laughs> that sounds wild. You have a video for that, so I'm going uh-huh. to, to link that up. Uh, it's worth the watch. Mike, the craziest food you've ever eaten. In the Northern Philippines, I ate a food called itag, which is meat filled with maggots. And they boil it with the maggots in it because they say they like the milky taste. That um, doesn't sound like my cup of tea, but uh, good for <laughs> you, do you have a, you have a, you have a whole yeah. series on, on crazy foods? Uh, is this one that you have a video on? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you can see all this, all the squirming glory of that one on YouTube as well. Mm, delicious. I will uh, link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Mike, what camera would you recommend for travelers, uh, people who are interested in maybe doing some video, but a, a lot of still, but uh, something other than their, their phone if they wanted to upgrade? Yeah, I, I think one of the best cameras right now is the Sony a7 III. Um, it's about a year and a half old. They haven't released a four yet, but I think as far as everything you can do on it, uh, it's it's one of the best cameras out there, if not the best travel camera out there right now. And it's not it's expensive, but not too expensive. The a7 III. Okay, great. And uh, what kind of carry-on do you use? I have a Peak Design bag. If you give me one second, I'll grab it. Yeah, let's it's, do it. Uh, it's Peak Design is a is a massive uh, brand of mine. I I, oof, I love this stuff. You've seen it's gone through hell. Actually, I just broke the zipper on it, and I was like, ah. And anyway, but they've got a lifetime warranty, so I had to fill in a little form, and they've they're shipping one to me right now. I couldn't believe it. So you buy it, you get a lifetime warranty, and the bag is amazing. Peak Design. They make, they make a lot of camera accessories too. Okay, very nice. Thanks for that. I will, uh, I'll link that up for people. And what would you consider the most off the beaten path place that you've ever been? Uh, Mauritania earlier this year. We, uh, myself and my girlfriend went and we did a, uh, there's a train you can ride. It's an iron ore train that goes from a mine to the coast and so you ride for 18 hours in iron ore on the back of a train through the Sahara Desert. And that country only has about 800 to 1,000 tourists a year. Um, 
and it's a massive country, mostly desert, and it was the it was the final frontier. Mauritania is was a strange one. <laughs> wow, that's wild. I know this is the rapid fire section, but uh, how did you select? How, how did you decide to go there? I saw a, a video about it a couple of years ago that you could ride on the back of this train with locals. So there's no roads that go from this particular city to the coast. There's like one windy one that goes around the mountains or something and it takes, takes double the time. So locals ride in these, these, these ore trains again with the black powder dirty for 18 hours to be able to go back and forth. And I saw some ex- extreme video or a photo or something of it and uh, realized it still happens. And well, that's, I mean, I don't, can't say I recommend it. It was definitely a, a wild ride. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. If anybody wants to check that out. Uh, yes. Yeah, sounds, sounds pretty wild. Um, Mike, people are going to be sticking closer to home this year uh, and perhaps a little bit into next year. So I'm wondering where would you recommend, do you have a place, a destination recommendation uh, in Canada if people want to go? Now, the majority of people listening to this, of course, are gonna be from the US. Obviously need to wait till people, uh, till the country opens up, but I think Canada uh, in the next couple years will be uh, a pretty big spot for uh, travelers from the United States. Do you have any recommendations? Um, yeah. Well, so I'm from New Brunswick, which is right okay. above Maine. So east, east, east coast. We call them the Atlantic provinces. Uh, they don't get very much tourism. They're beautiful. Uh, but if you want to get a bit even more off the coast there's, or off the path there, there's two places I really loved. Uh, they're both actually part of Quebec, which is the big, um, the big French province. So right above my province, New Brunswick, right above Maine, there's a peninsula called Gaspé, G-A-S-P-E with an, a, an accent, or Gaspésie. It's incredible there, as well as a series of islands called Ile de la Madeleine, which is like the Magdalene Islands. And they have these giant red sandstone cliffs. So picture like like sunset red sandstone giant cliffs with all these arches sandstone gets molded very easily by the waves it was really interesting features no one goes there uh, and it's it's gorgeous it's off the coast so the magdalen islands and the gaspe peninsula are two east coast canadian places uh, you might find some local tourists but uh, they're off the path man they're in their way oh that's awesome yeah i've uh, met a bunch of uh, people from quebec traveling and uh, made some friends up there and uh, they've actually recommended at least Gaspé I've, I've heard of. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. And uh, how, oh, and I, I wanted to mention also uh, the Bay of Fundy is beautiful yeah. up in your neck of the woods. I, I drove from Bar Harbor, Maine and Acadia National Park where we run an under 30 experiences trip. Um, up north, uh, this is 10 years ago or something, but just along US-1 and then over the border up into the Bay of Fundy, there was a waterfall, a reversing waterfall. So one time yeah. at some times of the day, it flows at some tides, it, there, it's a waterfall into the bay and then uh, at high tide, because there's like 40 feet of tide in this, uh, in mm-hmm. this area, the waterfall flows the other way and there's rapids at mid tide. It's pretty cool up there. Are you anywhere near that? Uh, that's funny. I guess I'm so close to it that I, I just forgot about it, <laughs> but yeah, the, the Bay of Fundy is only about an hour from where I grew up and it's one of the most fascinating things in the world. Like you said, 40 or even more than that, 45, sometimes 50 vertical feet of water up and down twice a day. It's like a giant lung, and that brings in all kinds of interesting sea creatures. There's whales, the, the, the floor of the oceans is covered with sea life. It's cold, but the, and the boats get lifted up and then deposited back and they lay sideways on the rocks. It's a really fascinating thing to see. Yeah, the Bay of Fundy especially, yeah. Yeah, you can walk all out on the ocean floor. Uh, yeah, I really in, enjoyed that. Um, Mike, I know we gotta wrap up in a second, but uh, I'm assuming that you've been to some interesting places in the United States. Do you have any recommendations for people? No, man, I haven't really traveled much in the States. I've traveled a lot in Florida. Here's one for you, (laughs) if I can recommend Florida. And if you're a scuba diver, there is a reef off of, I'm sorry, there's a dive site off of 
uh, Miami called Neptune Memorial Reef, where if you'd like to be buried at sea, your ashes can be put into concrete and you can be sunk off of the coast in this place called Neptune Memorial Reef. And you can scuba dive it. So you can dive through all of these archways and tunnels and statues, all, again, people's ashes put into concrete and turned into this underwater sort of cemetery. Creepy. Good for Halloween, um, but that's right off the coast of, uh, of Miami. Damn, well, you, you are no shortage of uh, interesting, <laughs> unique places <laughs> to, to go. Mike, this is, has been a lot of fun. Uh, your YouTube channel is called Fearless and Far. I believe on Instagram you're at Fearless and Far. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. And uh, yeah, where's the best place if people want to reach out to you, be part of your community, and uh, get involved? Both with of those. All right, that uh, that mm -hmm. works. Yeah, both of those, and I just released a course as well that talks about um, how to. Well, basically, how I feel is that fear is one of the main limiting factors in people's lives. I mean, for me, it was, it held me back forever. And by doing all these experiences, again, I'm not just trying to show how cool I am. It's because I'm genuinely afraid of most of these things. So I dive in so I can have a better relationship with fear so that I can help everyone else have a better relationship with fear and get them unstuck. So it's called the War on Fear Bootcamp. It's just launching this weekend, like right now. And I'd love if you have any problems in life, check it out. Message me. I love speaking about fear as we saw today, and I just want to help. That's why I made it. It's my, it's my truest passion. I've seen both sides, and I'm here to help. Mike, thanks for doing what you're doing. It's, uh, yeah, you're, you're creating a lot of confidence. You're inspiring a lot of people to be more confident and uh, travel, well, fearless and far. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Awesome to connect. Thanks, Matt. It was fantastic. Appreciate it, man podcast listeners. Did you enjoy that episode? If so, would love for you to share, subscribe, leave a review. That really, really goes a long way in helping other people discover this content. I would really appreciate that. And of course, direct support for this episode comes from my new book, The Millennial Travel Pot, Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, and Make Travel a Priority in Your Life, as well as, of course, all our new USA departures. We have nine of them now to all sorts of national parks across the United States. So go check that out and get ready for next week's launch of our new Mexico trip in the Yucatan.